and welcome to another edition of Pep Talk, the persuasive evangelism podcast from Solas. I'm Gavin Matthews, standing in for Andy, ba- Andy Bannister this week, who I believe is somewhere on the road between well, Swindon and Southampton at the moment. But Solas carries on with Pep Talk, and this week we have another exciting guest for you. I'm pleased to introduce you to Matt Frost. Matt, good afternoon. How are you? Very nice to be exci- introduced as an exciting guest, so I appreciate that. Much appreciate. Well, there's a billing you need to live up to. <laughs> now, you are dialing into us today from Sirencester, which is, is that Gloucestershire? Sirencester, Gloucestershire, yeah, a bit north of Swindon, not far from Bristol, that sort of neck of the woods. And you've been a pastor in Sirencester, Sirencester Baptist Church, is that right? That's right, right yep. For what, 10, 10 plus years? 15 years here 15. and previously 15 years pastoring a church in central London in the West End. Wonderful. I was intrigued by your bio on the, the church website, which, and I quote, says, Matt loves playing cricket for North, is it Kearney? Certainly. Uh, yeah. North Cerny. Cerny. Okay. Yeah. Praying for the sick, supporting Liverpool, sharing the good news of Jesus with all kinds of people, listening to jazz funk, bringing change, watching films of all kinds and chatting with God. Well, that's... That's quite a CV. I like that. That's good. And reflect, they're all true. It's not, yeah, I think all of those are are, are reasonable. I've been, well, I'm not playing cricket at the moment. It's the wrong time of year in the UK. And, mm-hmm. but yeah, I've been watching Liverpool and listening to jazz funk. and Marvellous. But we're here to talk about sharing the good news of Jesus, which is in there with all those interesting things in your kind of little CV on the website. So do you kind of practically go about the business of sharing Jesus where you are in Sirencester at the moment? And I'm guessing some of those things are going to be informal and some are going to be more kind of formal in the church context. Tell us what practically being someone who shares Jesus means for you in Sirencester. I pray every day, and I've done this since I first became a Christian, which is 30 years ago. I grew up as mm. a non-Christian, as an atheist. My family are atheists and changed my mind about the time I went to university at that sort of age. Mm. And got very excited early on about wanting to share the Christian faith with people that weren't Christians. That became a priority for me. And so prayed every day and continue to do that. My prayer is, Lord, let me point somebody towards Jesus today. That's that prayer. And that could be in a very explicit way or in a, a, a more gentle way. But that that's my prayer. And I find I'm always amazed again and again and again how God answers that, even on days when inevitably working in a church you spend a certain amount of time with people that are already christians which makes that more difficult to share your faith with people that aren't christians but i I remember oh a couple of weeks ago again there had been a busy day with stuff and they're all christians which was nice but where's the person who's not a christian that i can share something with and something i do from time to time is just towards the end of the day before it gets dark i'll pop up um, i play golf as well as cricket and I popped up just to play a few holes, five holes on my own, bit of exercise before the evening. And a fellow I know, Scottish chap, I saw him behind me. He caught up with me and I, I said, you know, let's play the last two or three holes together. And we, we walked in together. And within two or three minutes, of course, he asks about church and because it's my job. And then off we go. And we're talking about deeper things and he's interested what, what what's what's it about you doing all that and i i got to the car park at the end i thought thank you lord there's 
there's that one little thing today where I've in a gentle way pointed someone towards Jesus in a friendly way and I thought thank you so he keeps doing it he surprises me Mm-hmm. And is that a regular occurrence, those kind of informal conversations that you get with folks in and around the town? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, that's very much at the, you know, the heart of, of how I want to live, is that in the context of all the conversations I have with, with friends, with strangers, with the hairdresser, with someone in the shops, is that my prayer is that those might find a way to point someone mm-hmm. towards Jesus again, whether it's the whole nine yards or just a little thing, but that, that's, mm-hmm. that's my prayer. And yeah, that happens. That happens a lot. So it, it's intentional in the sense that I'm looking for it and I'm praying for it. And, but it's, I'm not also not trying to shoehorn something into an encounter that where it feels uncomfortable uncomfortable in that sense so I'm, I'm looking for those those open doors those opportunities mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and what are more formal things does the church do more formal sort of structured evangelism courses or campaigns or is there anything sort of more structured that the church does alongside your informal sort of sharing your faith with people we like the majority of churches do things that create a a warm fringe that sounds sounds a bit dubious yeah, a no, warm no, no. fringe but you create a network of relationships around the church that people that are warmly disposed towards the church at least because of the connections and the relationships so we do lots of the things that would be very common in lots of churches we run a parent and toddler group that's that's big and active we run a a youth club on a thursday night so lots of teenagers come we mm-hmm. do a lunch for people that are older and so it goes on there's lots of things in that we run a board games group that started in the last couple of years yeah. that's got really popular because nice. that's a whole popular group and so it goes on there's there's all of that there's that and other things that go on and so in that context you're developing a a, that that fringe around the church of people that you're warmly connected to. And of course, then lots of us as individual Christians, we have our own friends, the people that we connect with uh, and so on. Yeah. But within that, within all of those things that we do, we culturally are committed to, and it does happen, that we want to be relatively explicit about the fact that we're Christians and, and in appropriate ways, extend an invitation towards people to, to think about it or to think about Christianity or to invite them to, to something at church. So we don't just run a toddler group where we're nice to parents and their kids. We, we are nice to their parents and the kids most of the time. <laughs> but but there's, there's an explicit desire that we want to, to extend an invitation to people, not forced, but an invitation to people to say, hey, would you like to think about it? So when we run an ALF course, which we do every year, would you like to come to ALF? When it's Christmas, do you want to come to a carol service? We do messy church, which is a you know, very explicit invitational thing aimed at children and families. Do you want to come? And a lot of them come. And so that that would be the part of what, part of what what we do there's explicit events that we that we do that are specifically designed for people who are outside we've just had christmas and so inevitably christmas is a good opportunity lots with children and youth stuff inviting people to and then the but perhaps the biggest thing is culture it's a culture where we seek to encourage christians to be doing the sort of thing that I described in my little story at the golf course, that that, that becomes a, 
a part of our day-to-day or at least week-to-week or month-to-month life that we have an expectation that oh i might chat to someone at work oh i might invite a friend to to come along to this thing that's going on that that Mm -hmm. that that's a cultural thing and that's one that we you know we have to constantly talk about and address and and encourage but that Mm -hmm. probably more than anything is the most important thing is that we that we, I try and encourage a culture with with ourselves, but also with the whole church of saying, let's have these sorts of conversations. When you meet, when you chat someone at work and they say they're sick, have the courage to offer to pray for them for healing. And when it's Christmas, invite your neighbour to the carol service because that's that's what that's that's part of what it is to be a Christian. Mm. So you embed this sort of invitational culture into the church uh, and expressing that informally and through informal. Mm. So that sounds really great. You, you mentioned that you were a pastor previously in London. It's a London mm-hmm. wall, wasn't it? So out, out between the city of London and the East End going out, not far from where my dad uh, used to work, actually, that, that part of the world. So do you meet very different people in these two contexts, moving from sort of the east side of London out to Gloucestershire? And does gospel ministry look different in the two contexts and cultures that you've ministered in? And, and how have you had to adjust? The church I was in in London was in the West End, actually. It was Soho and around there. That that was was the area. The church now does meet over near Liverpool Street. So anyway, this is now a nerdy London London geography conversation. So for people that aren't from London, they're getting bored. But anyway, that's fine. (laughs) You were on the West End when you were there. Okay. That's right. So Interesting. The two most obvious differences between being in the centre of London and being outside of of london in a in a smaller place the most obvious the two most obvious things are the the people that you meet are it's a much broad it's a much more international group that you get in the middle of cities that would be true of most modern global cities in britain and elsewhere in the world that you get a, a very very diverse you know you might meet someone from kazakhstan and then japan and then someone from brazil and 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 so it goes on at any moment and so, I, for example, I I, used, we, I I still do quite a lot, but I used to do a lot of street evangelism in central London, in Trafalgar Square, Leicester Square, these sort of places. Lots of just mm. one-to-one conversations, chatting with people. And I got to the point where I, I, I taught myself to explain the gospel basically in French because I met a lot of French-speaking West Africans from uh, Ivory Coast and Congo. So I thought, right, I can, I can manage French. Let's see if I can do it. So I learned the words for... <laughs> believe and the cross and and jesus and you're a sinner and in french so places like siren sister are less mixed it's more mixed than it used to be but there's more of those cultures but perhaps the most obvious difference is that people move house less frequently so in the middle of a city the turnover is huge which changes the way you think about the connection between a church and our wider community, because it's turning over all the time. People move house every six months, constantly coming and going. Whereas in a place like Sirencester, and it's true in lots of other places, you can build much more long-term relationships with individuals and with a wider community. So, for example, our Mm -hmm. church here now, we have a relationship with all the schools in our town and some outside the town. I'm chaplain at the hospital and the little university we've got here. They're very deliberate things. They're long-term relational things in which we're praying that God would give us opportunities is to share the gospel in the middle of a very very busy city you're dealing with people that are coming and going you've got to you know you you grab the moment so that those that's the most obvious difference Mm -hmm. that does sound like quite a shift so working there in Sirencester you've mentioned some of the the opportunities schools hospitals the university 
what are the kind of significant challenges that you and I suppose your church are facing in, in sharing the gospel with the people that you're ministering to? There isn't much in the way of hostility towards Christianity mm-hmm. or the church in most of our interactions with the people around us. And as I say, for us here, some of the institutions, schools, hospital, the local council and so on, are well disposed towards us and we have good relationships. Relationships. They like us going to visit. Lots of them come and use our building. We have a big building where people can do stuff and people rent stuff all the time. We've had a school in here today doing a tour. What what, what do you get up to at a church? So there isn't that hostility. The issue in the UK, more than anything else, is you chat with someone and say, do you think there's a God? And the vast majority of people say, don't know, not sure, never really thought about it. Maybe, you know, maybe there's somebody up there somewhere. And so the challenge is not. When I was at university 30 years ago and I was a new Christian and we were going out and trying to talk about Jesus with people, not all students, but there were some students who were vociferously anti for whatever reasons, maybe for atheist reasons or very vocal Muslims or they were uh, pro-abortionists and that, you know, assumed that uh, there was an argument to be had. Nowadays, it's more like, oh, I don't know, never, I don't know, never thought about it, I don't know, I'm not sure. You know, um, I'd like to think there's something. So the, <laughs> the challenge is, is, is inviting people to think about those big questions of life and to ask the <laughs> questions, not that they've already thought about them and have come to a different conclusion, which would be the case if I was in other parts of the world. You go to Nigeria, everybody believes something and believes in God uh, in one shape or another, and you've got a conversation. The UK, and that would certainly be true here in, in the environment we're in, that, that's the most common thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's very interesting. I think that maps onto a lot of what we are experiencing and, and solar speakers when they're out and about are finding many, many people for whom they think there might not be answers. You know, they're not ragingly angry with you for having a belief, but yeah. they might think, well, who knows? What have you found that's helpful in, in speaking to, you know, whether it's your friend at the golf club or someone that comes to your alpha course, who comes in with these sort of vague, woolly notions? How do we take them a step further towards Jesus in our conversations? What are you finding that's the most helpful? Because Christianity to many people in the West is now an un, a, 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 something that's unfamiliar, or certainly the heart of it's unfamiliar. They'll know a few of the trappings or they watched the coronation on TV or something last yeah. year, you know, that sort of thing. That, that's, I think, actually it, a benefit because you're not having to overcome lots of prejudices. You're dealing with people who don't know anything, really. The majority of them, particularly of a younger generation, younger than me, they're saying, I don't know. And so that opportunity to to intrigue people with with some of the essence of, of what we might call real Christianity, of a living faith in mm. God, is there because it's people are unfamiliar with that. And so I think that's a possibility. But above all, the thing I'm doing in my certainly my individual conversations is either asking questions or inviting them to ask questions to to mm. say, look, have you thought about i've just done some school assemblies with with one of the secondary schools here and did each year group and we talked about the five big questions of life i said there's five big questions of life i made that 
that up, but I'd make it sound like it's you know it's it's, it's an exception. Sounds fact. authoritative. Yeah, absolutely, there are five big questions of life, but the question of where do we come from? Number one, is there a purpose to life? Number two, why is there suffering? Number three. What happens, if anything, after we die, number four? And is there a God, number five? Those five big questions of life. And actually saying to people, what do you think? And inviting yeah. them to – a few people have some answers. A few people are like, I don't know, that's the most common. But actually inviting people to say, look, have a think. You know, I've had a think, and I've come to the conclusion that Jesus is the best answer to those questions. But have a think. Have a think about those questions. And those questions – are in the human heart. They're, they're deep within us. Every human being wrestles with them. We're very good in the West, particularly at ignoring them because we're, we're busy. We've got lots of distractions. There's some great stuff on Netflix. So why do I have to think about what happens when I die? But yeah. they are there and it's trying to draw those out of people. So that's the, at the, the conversational level. And then there's also wanting to add, can I pray for you? You know, someone's sick. Can I pray that you'd be healed? I'm concerned about this. Can I pray for that? And that 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 would very much be a dimension of what I'm doing and others in our church as well trying to do in sharing our faith is by introducing that answer to prayer, supernatural element to to what we're doing, as well as the the conversational questioning part of it mm. do you think testimony has a an increasingly important role in the current environment um in the, in the way that maybe sort of propositional argument did a generation ago um i mean people have a story don't they yeah yeah people have always loved a story and you read through the book of acts in the new testament and the the, the testimony particularly paul's he gives a number of times both in in small settings and in courtroom settings so telling my own story or one's own story is is essential and then going on to what's your story you know i, I can tell a bit of mine because people often ask how did you end up why do you believe in god or particularly as a, it's my job how did you end up in this job and so i can tell that story or bits of it and then say what about you what do you think about you know yeah. is, is there a god or not mm, wonderful Time is kind of rapidly running out on us already, can you believe mm -hmm. it? So just to tie things together, what's been the most encouraging thing in evangelism you've seen over the last year or so? We ran the Alpha course uh, not very long ago, uh, end of last year, and it was the largest Alpha course we've run here uh, in mm. Sarancester. And, you know, a lot of people who weren't Christians or were sort of halfway there or trying to work it out and – and a real variety of ages as well, from 18 up to 80. Mm. And that's encouraging because each of those is a story. There's a story of how they got there. It's not just, oh, I've come to Alpha. There'll be a friendship, a relationship, a conversation, a variety of things that have happened back over a long time. And that, mm. was, that was brilliant to, to watch that. And now some of those people are now sort of going on and we carry, we sort of, okay, what's next and uh, on, on their journey of yeah. of of exploring there's there's a chap on there who's he's was it 19 and he's training to be a heating engineer which is a i think a very good job there's a lot of work out there getting your boilers fixed but but he said what he's doing now is in his lunch break if he gets a lunch break from a job he'll go and sit in the van and he, we're reading through the new testament and just read the new testament and i think that's great this is a 19 year old heating engineer never been around church but he's fascinated by it and he's on that journey and you think that's that's, that's grateful. Wonderful.
That's great. Mm-hmm. But he's there so because somebody did. somebody invited him, you know. Yeah. And signs of life, wonderful. Yeah. So then, looking forward, what are your hopes? What are you planning, Avengers and Wise, for your community in, in the coming year? More of the same. I haven't got anything particularly particularly novel. You know, we'll keep <laughs> we'll keep uh, putting on things that we invite people to. Messy Church is big. We have a lot of children and youth stuff going on here. We'll have. We'll be running Alpha course again. We'll carry on our ministry into schools and hospital and the university, and continue to encourage people to to talk to their friends, chat to their family, and share their faith. So mm. nothing novel, more of the same, and and praying in the midst of it that God God works, which which He is. We're very encouraged. Wonderful. And you'll be praying in the morning. You began by saying that you prayed every morning, Lord, bring someone across my path that I can share something. Absolutely. We're fascinated to hear how God answers some of those prayers. Well, thank you so much for your time, Matt. That's been really informative, hopefully encouraging to many, many people in their churches and their different contexts around the country. Last thing, tell us about your podcast and where people can find you online to hear two pastors in a pub. Two pastors in a pub. So that that was a inspired by wanting to have conversations with people, particularly people that aren't Christians or are having a look, have got questions. So Tom, who's another pastor, myself, hosted by a lady called Karen, we sit in a pub and we discuss some of the sorts of questions that might come up in these sorts of conversations with people. You know, are there aliens or why is there suffering in the world or isn't the Bible just full of mistakes and those sorts of things. And we chat around, obviously, Tom and I are both Christians, so we're coming from that point of view, but it's done in that style. You can hear this. Every episode, we have to drink a drink that we've never had before. And we've now been going for three years, and so we're really scraping the barrel. I made somebody... I made one Literally. of the other drink spicy tomato juice with with ginger beer last week when we recorded, which was genuinely disgusting. So that does sound deeply horrible. But they mm. can find your podcast on Apple, yeah, and Spotify, Apple, Spotify, usual places. It's two pastors, TWO, two pastors in a pub, and we're there. Each one's about forty minutes long, and we do one a month, and they're uh, quite fun. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Matt. Our time has gone. Thank you, too, for those of you who are listening today. We appreciate your company with us on Pep Talk, and we'll see you again in a fortnight's time. Thank you, and goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.